Welcome back to the Christian Culture. This is Clint. And this is Gordon. Gordon, I haven't been able to talk to you as much as I normally do in the last week or so. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Re- oh, really good, honestly, as you'll find out like in two hours. Lizzie's niece had First Communion on Saturday. Oh, cool. So we went there to her parish, and their parish has does confessions during Mass. Okay. And so I was, I was able to go to confession for like the first time since before COVID started. They do Mass. confession during Mass? Yeah, like up until the liturgy of the Eucharist. Really? Yeah. I didn't even know that was possible. Yeah. Wow, it, okay. Yeah, and it, it was great. So I was able to go. I was able to witness First Communion, and then we just kind of hung out with their family like all weekend, and it's just been really great. And then we're internship for a door starts next week, so we're trying to come up with like phase one, phase two, phase three, phase four, into like kind of like revamping and restarting a uh, youth program for all of our missions, very similar to like how the state's been like doing the phasing. We're trying to yeah. come up with that for us. So cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Do you know? Yeah. You are for sure getting an intern at your parish? No, I don't think I am. Since there's only like a few of them, like three, I think they're going to be at three different parishes that are close together, but they'll be kind of like all working together, taking turns at different ones. So they get different experiences, but a community. So Okay. Just for some of the new listeners, since we're actually talking about your work, which is not quite normal youth ministry, do you want to explain what Adore does? I know we've talked about it on the show before, but it's been a while. Yeah, I haven't even thought about this considering the internship, but uh, essentially Adore does, right now we do youth ministry, but we just serve underserved parishes or parishes on the margins that can't afford full-time positions, I would say. Uh, right now it's youth ministry, but full-time positions. So we, we contract those parishes so that we can step in. They don't have to pay us like the salary that a, a youth minister would get and because we fundraise our salary and we just adhere to the youth and really the community for that parish. Mm-hmm. Um, and then over the summer, which is how I started, we have a summer internship, which kind of gives you that experience of just missioning. And I mean, this comes out Saturday, but our internship, will, the, like the application process is actually still going to be open through Monday, June 1st, or maybe Tuesday, whatever June 1st is. Okay. Um, it may be a little longer just because we extended it just because so many things are closing for the summer internships and jobs included and mm-hmm. we want people that don't know if they're gonna have something or not have something until the start of june to be able to do something so yeah and this is probably the summer that you guys needed the most i wasn't really thinking about this until i started getting emails from a door talking about it but with so many parishes not being able to afford to pay full-time staff anymore it seems like there's probably going to be more parishes leaning to organizations like you guys who yeah. are going to need that support. So uh, Yeah, even before all this, we already had like 10 parishes in the, in the waiting, but this has added another five or six already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if you guys are interested, we'll put the link to Adore in here. Uh, one of our good friends, Chris, is actually your recruiter for Adore now. We can set you guys up with that if you're, if you're interested. I think the age limit, he said, for... The internship was uh, sophomores in college and above or something like that, but I, I'm not sure. Maybe you Yeah, know I, them, there might, and I know it was kind of college, but they typically try to try to do it after you've done a first year of college. Okay. But I mean, if depending on where you are in your faith and rooted or, 
or wanting to expand if, if this is if you're going into college and uh, the discernment is is right together it's happened in the past so it really just depends okay cool so if that's something you guys are interested in make sure to check out that link in the description and uh, reach out to us or reach out to Chris or reach out to a door whoever and we'll make sure to point you in the right direction yeah so with that what have you been taking in I've been taking in quite a lot honestly I think it's just because we haven't recorded in a bit, but mm-hmm. me and Lizzie finally finished the f- uh, full series of Mad Men. I don't know if I mentioned that already. Uh, you mentioned you were restarting it. I don't think you said right. you finished it yet. So we finished it, which is perfect timing because it's actually being taken off Netflix like next week. Oh, wow. Yeah. We've been watching a lot of documentaries, which is actually what we we'll are be going into today. But one documentary that just came out on Netflix is called Have a Good Trip which is a documentary about psychedelics and I like actors. Assume. Yeah. Actors and scientists and stuff like that, that are, it's very non-biased, like not for or against. So it's really interesting. It's just stories. And I love, I just have a fascination for stuff like that. So we watched it and it was very fascinating. I've mentioned this podcast before, but I just started getting back into it because I'm so behind on so many podcasts, but it's called the dollop, which is, depending on what you like to intake or not like to intake, it's kind of adult themes as far as the, they're two, two comedians and they're pretty crude when they, what they talk about, but it's about history and like crazy history. So the two episodes I listened to, one was about, there was a, a vampire scare in the U S for about like over a hundred years. Mm-hmm. And so they talked about that. And then they talked about this guy who studied dolphins by giving them LSD. What? <laughs> Uh, like, who who like even thinks 60s. of that? Who's like, okay, uh, there's these well, really cool mammals that swim. Let's give them really insane drugs. Well, the reason he was studying them is because he he was doing drugs and he met aliens, and the, <laughs> the aliens the aliens were called Echo. And ironic, ironically, he's the reason that we understand how smart dolphins are today. So if it wasn't for him, like we wouldn't have like dolphin shows or really even be studying dolphins like we do now but he was studying dolphins because he said if we can figure out how to talk to dolphins we could make contact with aliens hmm interesting we'll have to ask the government how that's going <laughs> that's that's yeah. crazy though like who who would have imagined that giving dolphins lsd the 60s man yeah seriously PETA would have a heyday but yeah that that podcast has me in tears every time I listen to it. It's really funny. But wow. yeah, just be weary. It's very crude. We watched the movie Uncut Gems. Oh, I heard really good things. It is a wild ride. Like Lizzie needed a long time to process it because she just felt really weird afterwards. I almost made today's podcast about that. So I might do an episode on that movie. It just came out literally yesterday or two days ago on Netflix. It was on like hulu or maybe something like that for a while but just came to netflix so it is for me really good but it's really weird not weird it's just really real it seems very real and it's a real dark real crime dingy movie and so that's all i can say yeah most of what i heard about it is like adam sandler i think is the main character one of the big characters and everyone was so surprised he was so good at doing like an actual yeah. actual acting and not yeah. like adam sandler he killed acting. it right it's just uh like a drama and he did like a crazy good job that's awesome 
Yeah. And then lastly, uh, I've been taking in a lot of games. So I got two new games for my birthday. One's called Mountains of Madness, which is like a fast-paced strategy game, very similar like Five Minute Marvel, but also adding in a lot of silly and crazy quirks per player that makes it like harder and harder the more you progress in the game. And then the other one is, uh, I've talked to you about it, is Gloomhaven. And by now, me and Lizzie have like gone through four different dungeons and progressed the story along, and that's been a lot of fun. That's awesome. We we oh. know Gloomhaven, but that's like a, it's almost like a Dungeons and Dragons board game, kind of. Yeah, is the easy way yeah. to explain yeah. it. Yeah, it's a board game with like a story. They fast pace the role playing and strongly kind of reside on the dungeon crawl fighting aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then lastly. Speaking of Dungeons and Dragons, I actually have been playing. I've been playing. I mentioned I've been playing that a lot, but within this quarantine, I've actually been able to retire and come to a close two different campaigns and characters. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. One one was mine. I I mentioned this when we finished yesterday, but I started tearing up a little bit when that happened. It was pretty intense. As cheesy yeah. as that sounds, you'd been playing with that character for like over two years i think yeah uh yeah and it was the biggest biggest campaign i've ever dungeon mastered before so that was, it was great was pretty crazy what was the other character you was retired the one uh nick sax from happy oh yes i remember you mentioned that one my gunslinger so yeah he, that was a crazy story too so yeah. it was good Anyone who's played D&D before knows how emotionally invested you can become in characters. So that's it's a big deal. Yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah, well, that was one of the things I wanted to mention was our massive Dungeons & Dragons session. We just had this huge crossover between the group that Gordon's in and the other group that I, I run in the same universe. Um, and it was kind of like this, I don't know, like Marvel kind of crossover type thing where everyone came together. It was absolutely insane. We tried out some new mechanics that weren't really part of the game. And it's something that I've been working on for probably over a year, brainstorming ideas and stuff. So it was really cool to see that come into play. We played for like nine hours straight. It was insane, but awesome. And then I had mentioned this last episode, but I've been getting into podcasts again too in a huge way. But instead of just going back to the same ones that I listened to, I actually added quite a few new ones and ironically we're listening to some similar stuff because the one that you mentioned dollop was that what it's called yeah yeah that, that was actually on the suggestions at the bottom of the apple podcast when i was oh. listening because they were so similar so just going through some of the new ones that i've been listening to the first one is backstory i think you've told me about that one before or someone did it's basically a podcast that takes some random topic and it tells you the backstory of it i actually didn't like this one at all it's extremely popular (laughs) but the first one i listened to was on i think it was on the catholic church in america i was like oh this would be interesting i'm an american and i'm catholic and it was so so factually inaccurate it was just hard to listen to and i'm pretty sure i ended up skipping the end of it just because it was so so bad and then on the other side well let's do some of these first so there's another one called myths and legends it's pretty self-explanatory it just goes through a bunch of different myths and legends and it kind of explains them that one was decent not good enough that i went back and listened to a bunch more episodes and then the third one that i was not a huge fan of but it was okay was called unsolved murders which is exactly what it sounds like and i like most people nowadays enjoy 
murder mysteries and the kind of like solving the puzzle and stuff like that. But this was like they replayed it. It was like a dramatization. Kind of sounded like an old school radio show. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just didn't like the way they played it out because they had two narrators. If the two narrators would have just told the story, I think I would have really, really enjoyed it. But just the way the acting was done and like the sound effects and stuff, it just sounded cheesy to me. So those are the ones I was not a huge fan of. And I listened to a few episodes and then stopped. The rest of the ones that I'm going to mention, though, were amazing. Like I'm listening to these nonstop. They're actually really short episodes, so it's easy to, to listen to just a bunch of them. The first one is called Lore, which is also apparently now they took the show and brought it to Amazon Prime. You can watch it as like a TV show, too. And it's Basically, it just takes folklore and it explains where the stories came from. And so there's been a lot of vampire ones, including the vampires in America stories you're talking about. That's crazy. Yeah. And he just tells like these. Tr- well, I, I assume they're true. I haven't done all the research, but like these actual stories that might have helped shape our opinions on things of why these folklore things like vampires and haunted houses and stuff like that. Maybe they're true. Maybe they're not. And it kind of shows like the progression of how we see those tales forming. And it, it's just really cool. I love history. That's actually why I started listening to all these podcasts because I I love history, but I stopped watching the History Channel and all the attached things. So they don't talk about history anymore. And I was like, there's got to be some podcasts out here with, with good history. So I found Lore. And then the other two big ones that I'm listening to right now are the History of Rome, which literally goes through the history of Rome from like Romulus and Remus. Actually, it it started even before Romulus and Remus from their supposed grandfather was the very first episode. And all the way now I'm to where Caesar is 10 years old. So we've gone through quite a bit of time, but there's still a couple hundred episodes left. It's amazing. So much fun. And then the other one is the history of Egypt, which is the same kind of concept. It started with the kind of legends of their religion and how things were created. And now I'm all the way up to Pharaoh Khufu, which is the guy that made the Great Pyramid of Giza. So yes, super exciting. And then I just downloaded Ancient Greece History, which will be next on the list. So I'm just like crushing history podcasts right now, and it's amazing. And the last thing, which I've mentioned a few times now, but I've now finished Community again this is my second or third time through the show. But now that it's on Netflix and popular again, I thought I'd go back and check it out. Just as amazing as always, I hope they do the and a movie, come back with all the cast to make a movie. But we'll see if that happens. And yeah, so now that I've finished that, I think because we've had so many people request it, and this is another show that just came on Netflix and is super popular. Now that it's available, I'm probably going to go do... Avatar The Last Airbender, because I've been waiting for an easy way to access that whole series. And now that it's on Netflix and everyone seems to be watching it, I think this is a pretty good time. So stay tuned. In the next couple of weeks, we'll probably be doing Avatar The Last Airbender. And that's all I got. Nice. Yeah. Have you ever heard of Hardcore History by Dan Carlin? Uh, no. Is that a podcast? It is. And it's really well done. It's just extremely long. Most of his pod- episodes are like three hours or more. But oh my goodness. He's extremely wow. thorough and it's very I've only listened to one, but anybody I know that listens to history podcasts, they always he's like in there. So 
So are are they linear though, or are they like he chooses it's a topic? Different, it's different things. That. So the one I listened to was the one my sister recommended, and it was about the Terracotta Army. Oh yeah, that's and cool. it's it was it's just so good. He just had, does a lot of research, and like the three hours to six hours that episode is is cut down. He records like twelve hours worth of content, and then cuts it down to the best parts. But is that a weekly yeah. podcast? That's like all he does. Yeah. I mean, oh I don't know. If it's, I don't know how often he does it, or if he's still doing it. I don't know. I just know there's a lot of episodes. If you like chugging through stuff, it'll keep you busy. Yeah, that's amazing. I'll probably finish the shows I have now because they're all linear, and I'm trying to like follow through from beginning to end of of each of the civilizations. But that's that awesome. Okay. Otherwise, let's jump in to the last thing I have taken in this week. It was like two days ago, literally. The other documentary, uh, which. We literally just stumbled upon, never heard of it. it. came out last year, apparently. It was on Hulu. Um, I do highly recommend it. But it is a documentary called The Amazing Jonathan. And just want to preface this by saying, very similar to a few of the other episodes we've had lately, there are some adult like themes and contents in here. I won't like you know explicitly go into those things too much, but I can't not talk about them because it's, it's a documentary. It's a part of the story. So... If that's going to be an issue, you can pause this now and come back to it later. Otherwise, we'll jump in. This podcast reminds me very much of the feel of Tiger King. It's not as crazy as Tiger King, but just to the extent of like documentary starts out to be one thing. And by the end, the documentary is something else entirely. Mm. So it opens up with just like this font that says everything in this film is strictly based on the available facts. And so that could well, mean anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, at the end, he's just like, I don't know. I did what I could. And so the amazing Jonathan, if you look him up, you probably recognize him. I definitely know who he is, but he was a famous comedian magician from like the 90s through like the 2010s. He was like one of those comedians that his comedy show was funny and he was kind of like crude and funny and edgy and just all those things where like it was hardly less about the skill and more about just entertaining the audience. And he, he, so he peaked in the 90s and all this stuff, and there's just scenes in the beginning of clips from the past, and we're just getting other people that the documentary's interviewing, like Penn and Teller. So Penn says, we've always wanted someone who has nothing to lose, and I think we got that in Jonathan. And then Chris Angel's like, actually, I bought rights to a couple of Jonathan's pieces because I wanted those in my own show. And then a few other people just like i always looked up to him when i saw him like when i first saw him he just seemed like a rebel magician and then there's this woman comedian that's interviewed every now and again and she's like there was not a lot of male performers at the time who would help female performers but the fact that he would say i want her to open for me he was a disruptor at the time and so he was very edgy not only in like his show but in the way he put on the show he would let women open for him he would just do things differently he really stood out and then we hear him finally speak for the first time. And he says, I performed on over 100 TV shows. I went around the world two times. I did a show for two presidents. I had a year-round show in Las Vegas. And I made a million dollars. I have a beautiful wife. And everything came crashing down when I was told I had a year to live. And someone in the audience laughs. And he says, that's not a joke. So that's where I'm at right now. And it's kind of like he was doing like a TED Talk. And that's kind of the premise for the documentary. He's He kind of retired because he was diagnosed with this terminal heart condition. And so they're filming like where he's at now. 
And so it says in 2014, Jonathan, a.k.a. the amazing Jonathan, was, or Jonathan Cecil was his name, was diagnosed with cardiomyopathy, a terminal heart disease, and he was given one year to live. And then the next thing you see is three years later. And that's when this documentary takes place in 2017. Mm. And so it begins with showing him at his house, like giant house. It's huge with his wife and it's just him and his wife. And that's, that's it. And no kids. And he's just like, you know, every day is just whatever we want to do. And the wife's like, yeah, it's a blessing and a curse. It's hard to get motivated when you know that every day is just going to be another day where you don't have anything really you have to do. And then Jonathan's like, yeah, but it also makes any little thing you need to do become a real pain. And so you can just kind of see they're both like stuck in the motions of retirement, of the aftermath of fame and money, but also of this like, he should have died two years ago, but he hasn't. And any day or any minute it could happen. And so they're like just in this heaviness of the disease and when she's talking to the camera, she explains what the condition is where they go into the doctor and the doctor shows what a normal heartbeat looks like. And she uses her hand and like, like squeezes your, like bends her fingers open and wide, like a heart would beat. And she's just like, and then they showed me his heart and she had like an open hand and like barely twitched like one finger. And that's how his heart's beating. And as you'll see throughout the story, what I was thinking about when I was prepping, this was like the disease is like killing his heart. But over the the course of his career and life and decisions, spiritually, his heart has died too. Kind of numb to it all. So I can keep going, but is there anything there that I haven't like already kind of alluded to that you want to mention? Yeah, I think there are a few things. I, I just looked it up. So this came out last year, it looks like. Yeah, he started in 2017 and finished the film in 2019. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it says it released August 16th of 2019. Okay. Uh, which is crazy that you're just watching it now. Cause I feel like this is so fitting yeah, to right. everything we're going through in the middle of this coronavirus. But first, before I even get to that, when you're reading through all those quotes, uh, a few things stood out to me. So I, I hesitate to compare him to a Christ figure, but it feels like the way that some of these people are perceiving him are some similar things that we would have heard people perceiving of Christ in his ministry. The, the idea that he's a rebel, right? That's what people saw Christ as. They thought he was this revolutionary that was going to overthrow the Romans, that was going to overthrow all of these outsiders who were coming into Israel. He was someone who supported women in a time and a circumstance when other people did not. And as much as people want to hate on the church and say that we don't do that. If you look at Jesus and the the things that were going on at that time, he gave responsibilities and he, he gave trust to these uh, female followers that they would have never seen before. So I think in some small ways, we see that the perception of these other performers of Jonathan can be kind of carried over to some things that might have been said of Jesus himself. But what I really wanted to focus on was the quote of him and his wife, you said at the beginning of the show in their mansion, where every day is just whatever they want to do. That's coronavirus uh, being right. stuck in your house. And then, yeah. yeah, it's a blessing and a curse. It's hard to get motivated when you know that every day is just going to be another day where you don't have anything you really have to do. This is, I mean, if I'm being completely honest, this is this is what I've been doing for the last uh, month and a half. Like it's It's so hard to be motivated when 
I don't know. We're when we're stuck in this cycle of unknowing and feels like a lot of things that we we do are just going to be canceled or whatever, you know? When you lose this sense of purpose, you lose any motivation to kind of do anything that is productive. And then the last line, yeah, but it also makes any little thing you need to do become a real pain. And I think this is something that's really wrecked me the last couple of weeks is I've mm-hmm. noticed that I don't know if it's a, a good word to say, like I've become spoiled, I guess, of being able to do whatever I want essentially during the the pandemic and being stuck at home to now I have to, I don't know, like I have to write a, a talk or something for work or I have to write something for the bolt and whatever. Just like these small things that are obviously part of my job and I just get so like frustrated at these small things. And I've noticed that happening increasingly the last couple of weeks. And so I think there's something very very relevant from that one conversation yeah no i everything you said was exactly the same thing i was thinking prepping it so couldn't have touched on those things better well except for the jesus thing i didn't think about that but i think it's because i know the rest of the story yeah and that's but why i, I said see, it's like a perception of yeah things. i i can see I, how those quotes would definitely apply and i that's that's a good good thing to talk about because that's what we do so that's the setup for the documentary if you want to see it i'm going to pretty much spoil the rest of the story Otherwise, you can still listen and still watch, and it's still really entertaining. So I'm going to touch on these next three things about his life real quick, and then we can break those down if we want. But we go to his hometown, and we talk to his mother, who's really old, and she kind of just talks and says, like, he's always been a performer since he was a kid. He started since he was young. Then we learn that he never met his dad because his dad died before he was even old enough to remember or know, know who his dad was. And so when he was old enough to leave... She knew he was going to leave because there was nothing left for him in his town. And so this is what I'm talking about, like the spiritual loss of his heart, even before his disease. This is one of them. He, he lacks a father figure, really, till today. I don't think he's ever really had someone to look up to. And we've talked about in the past how important that is, even our spiritual lives, with the Heavenly Father. And when there's a father wound on earth, we've talked about that in other podcasts too, how that can affect a relationship with our Heavenly Father. So I think that's one thing. And the last thing she says is, and I don't know what he did once he left. I don't think I want to know. And then it kind of shows videos. And we see that growing up, as he's like trying to get out there as a, as a stand-up comedian, as a magician on stage, he was just a womanizer. He has videos of him around women all the time, hanging out, partying, using drugs. And then we hear him like watching his videos with the documentary guy. And he's like, yeah, I was hooked on cocaine for about 20 years. And I stopped using. The thing that made me stop was, was speed. I started doing speed and the documentary kind of asked him about like, what is that? Like, how do you use it? And he's like, here, let me show you. I can just show you. He's like, well, don't do it if you weren't. And he's like, no, I was going to do it anyways. I want to. And he proceeds to do it on camera, but they have to block it out. Cause he, he's literally doing speed for them on the documentary. Not for them. He just still does it. And he is doing it on the documentary. Wow. Okay. okay. And so we see that he was using, he switched to that and he's still using today. And then they're interviewing his wife, and his wife's like, yeah, when I met him, he used to say that he takes speed like vitamins. And I was surprised because I was like, I didn't think you could smoke that. And that's when he mentioned, well, it's not really speed, it's meth. And she's like, well, if you told me it was that before I fell in love with you, I would have left on day one. But now I'm in love with you, and I'm stuck. And she tries to get him to quit. And you can just see it throughout the whole show. She's just like broken and lost and empty because she wants so much for him 
that he can't be because she doesn't get to make any decisions for him. He's he's his own person. And she even says this last thing where it's like, he tells me he doesn't even get high from it anymore. So he's just numb even to that. And this is the second spiritual loss, second spiritual heart where he's losing some of his heart. And it's, it's vices of women, of fame, of drugs, but also now addiction. And then the last thing they say is there's a few magicians when they see him around like you need to come back you need to get back i think if anything you might as well just like die doing what you do best and someone his one of his friends is is being interviewed he's like everything he's got and everything he has accomplished happened while he was on drugs so he associates the success with the drugs what are we asking him to come back to and then it says against the doctor's advice jonathan comes out of retirement and that happened about 2017 and we see him go on to do a show, and it's the exact same bit he did four years ago or whatever when he retired. So it doesn't really change anything. And then afterwards, he's laying down, and they're like, how did it go? And he's like, leave me alone. And he's just, like, not happy. He's doing it because he has nothing else to do. He's bored, as we already established. But even doing the shows now, he's only doing it because it's really all he knows to do. Mm-hmm. And that's the last setup of really his backstory before the documentary totally takes a left turn. Yeah. So anything uh- there. First off, with the addiction and seeing how that affected his wife, I actually was just doing a event today over Zoom with with my teens, and we were talking about like the problem of evil and stuff like that. One of the things we were talking about is how even when it seems like our sins don't affect anyone else, how much they actually affect everyone else. And we're seeing that happening here, where all of his addictions and all that pain. She even said like she wouldn't be with him if he hadn't like hidden these things from her but instead here she is and and she's like kind of stuck in that in a way that maybe isn't healthy i I don't know but she's there out of love trying to sacrifice for him and 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 be there with him yeah yeah and then just seeing how numb he's become to all that yeah i think that's pretty self-explanatory concept of of what happens when we become addicted to these these vices what we talked about him before like they're they're temporary. The things you get from them are temporary rather than like what we receive from our strong spiritual life and, and, our, and, and Jesus and all these things. We can come back to it time and time again and it's, it's, it stays the same. So this is when things become interesting. Jonathan has, gets a phone call and Jonathan, or Jonathan calls Benjamin Berman, who is the director of this documentary. And he's like, it's going to be interesting, right? Having two documentary crews at this show and he's like what are you talking about and he's like well there's another crew I, I hired to film a documentary for of me they've won two academy awards they did the man on wire and searching for sugar man and benjamin's like what and so now there's two documentaries being filmed hmm. and the one documentary the second documentary doesn't want to be in his documentary but he wants to make the fact that there's more than one documentary a part of the documentary he's like that's just such an interesting story and then the woman that was the comedian being interviewed in the beginning they go through interviews again and everyone's like thinking this is hysterical or crazy or weird and she's like well you just never know with him like is this a joke or is this real and then there's another magician that's a friend of his who's like i can understand this being rather rude of him However, if I had a death sentence hanging over my head, I can understand the mentality of the more the better. And we just see as it kind of progresses how hard 
it becomes to film a documentary because like certain places are like we only have enough space for so many camera crew members so like you're gonna have to share spaces or like he'll come in and they're like we already have one camera crew here who are you because it's so taboo to have more than one documentary being filmed so a lot of people didn't even believe that one or the other was also filming and it just caused a lot more problems than good and that's when this this documentary changes from a story about jonathan to kind of like a story about this other docu- documentary crew and that's another theme that will come up but like the idea of what it takes to tell a story and really what it takes to tell someone else's story or our story so Ben goes home for a while to be with his family and he tells them what's going on. And this is a conversation he has basically with his dad and his stepmom. And he says, well, France, I was making a documentary out of love and art. And his stepmom's like, and now there's competition. How does that affect you? Or does it? Or should it? And then the dad's like, at some point he's going to die. And that's going to, that's when things are going to get really interesting. And she's like, yeah, that could be the end point. It could be, the end point if he dies and the dad chimes in he's like what's their what's your observation are those guys good are they capable can they pull it off do they have a good story to tell what story are they even telling what story are you telling what story is anybody what is even the story here (laughs) and you can tell ben doesn't know he's still trying to figure out what documentary he's making he thought he was making about this guy that was dying and now it's something else but i just love what the dad asks him Mm -hmm. and I'm already foreshadowing, but that's going to be part of my challenge is really like, what story are we telling others with our lives? Yeah. Do you have anything with that? No, I, I don't think so. Honestly, I, I think you kind of hit at that and I think we'll come back to it later. So for the sake of time, I will kind of oh, hold yeah. off. But I, I do want to point out the quote from before. You just never know with him if this is a joke or if this is real. I think there's something to that as well. A theme of like not being able to tell reality from this illusory world of sin and uh like drugs and stuff that he's kind of become addicted to and just like allowing the addictions to control what he perceives to be real i think there's something to that as well yeah and that'll come up near the end too of just like what is truth okay great then i won't go into it so he comes back to record he goes from home to another show to record a documentary and that's when ben meets this guy chad taylor who starts asking him questions and informs him that he's been filming a documentary on Jonathan since his diagnosis in 2014. What? And so that's when we meet a third crew, but technically the first crew. And Ben just starts spiraling. He's like his, one of his friends that he like consoles in is like, you're getting the runaround. You need to like put your foot down, like take control. Everyone else he's interviewing, like, like Chris Angel or the the comedians, like, well, what does that mean? Is this like a race for who finishes first or what? And so Ben goes to the third guy or the first guy, whatever, Chad. And he goes to his house to apologize. He's like, I want to apologize because I'm doing what the second crew is doing. I'm cutting in and stepping on your turf. And I know what that feels like. And the guy says, I appreciate that, but no apology is necessary because you didn't know I was even there. And if you did know I was there, as long as you had Jonathan's permission, that's really all you need. If he wants to do 100 more documentaries next month, all I can do is hope that mine is more interesting. And we start to see this theme of like with with Ben, who's trying to figure out what to do, because like he said to his his mother-in-law or his, yeah, his mom and dad is like, I started to do this out of love and of art, but now I'm doing this as competition. Mm-hmm. And it's like this this thing is he's struggling with ego and pride, whereas his 
Chad guy is like super humble about it. And he's like, I'm just trying to make a good movie, like tell a good story. And yeah, I think that's really important. And uh, he calls his friend again, the one who's like, you're getting the runaround. And he's like, I just don't know if this is over. Like if I should give up. And at this point, I think I should just call it. Right. And he's like, you have to keep going because giving up is guaranteeing that this is all a complete failure. But you can defer your failure for another year, but keep going. But if you give up today, you know for sure this is a failure and you failed. If I want to see a film on The Amazing Jonathan, I can now watch two or three others. So how do you make this story unique? You have to be open to every story, including your own. What interested you in a dying magician and why? And this is when we learn a little bit of Ben's story. He starts telling his own story in this documentary about someone else. And we learn that his mom died of cancer at 11 years old. And he's been making videos of his family and of people and kind of of death since a kid. Mm. And we seem, we really learned that like maybe he started this whole thing because of the death of his mother. That's when I decided I wanted to do a podcast on this because I was like, wow, like if you were to tell someone else's story or if you were to engage in someone else's story, like, you know, even me, like relationships, you can't do it without understanding your own story or even allowing your story to like influence their story. Does that make sense? Yeah. Do you have anything on that? Other than the fact that this is kind of making me think about like what we're doing here and my intention with like starting the show in the first place. Like, am, am I losing track of our story and, yeah. uh, and what or the reason for doing it? Right. And, and why we did this. Cause thinking of like how he was doing this as a small child already, if if you remember season one, you, you might recognize the old introduction to our show and how I talked about how this whole show kind of started as an obsession of mine with media, with movies and music and books and all that stuff. And seeing eventually how Christ revealed himself to me within that. And obviously the show has changed over, over the time, but just I started asking my question as you were explaining this, like, am I losing track of of what my story is and what I'm trying to say through through this podcast as a medium. Yeah. Yeah. Cause sometimes, you know, like in the intro, like it's about media that you love and just like enjoy to intake. But mm -hmm. sometimes we're like, Oh crap, we don't have anything prepped. And then we're just kind of like, like it's like a task. Yeah. We're just like taking in media, like forcing it down our throat, almost like mm -hmm. gluttonously just so we can produce something. Yeah, exactly. So they go back from home where he's still spiraling and what's going on to, to record more of the documentary. And he confronts Jonathan because Jonathan went to this big celebration for Chris Angel, who's getting like a star in Hollywood. And he's like, dude, like I'm recording a documentary. That's something interesting. Why didn't you invite me? And he was like, well, the famous crew went, you know, he's like, just get clips from them or get clips from like, there was a bunch of news agencies there. And he's like, you should have at least invited one of your three documentary teams. And Jonathan's like, you mean four? Don't forget about Nikki. Who is Nikki? Are you serious? There's four? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is just so funny. Okay. It is. It's crazy. And so we learned that there was a fourth documentary crew who started filming back in 2014 as well. But her project was terminated two months into the making. But she met with Ben and was able to recut. He was able to, like, get her footage. And we're watching the footage, and there's a clip of Jonathan in her footage back in 2014 where he says everyone wants a story 
where you have your career, you start to become famous, you start doing drugs, you lose everything, you stop doing drugs, and you start becoming famous again. Well, that's not the way it's happened, and that's not the way it happens sometimes. I had nothing, I started doing drugs, I never stopped doing drugs. And that's not the ending people want to see or read about, according to my publishers. A book on my life story is not a book they want to do. And I thought this was very fascinating because that's just how media work. You need a, a riveting story. Like for Tiger King, it wasn't a good story, but it was it was captivating with a lot of twists and turns. Otherwise, for a famous star that does drugs, the better story is that they overcome that. And that's what they'd rather tell than any other story. And whereas rather in God's eyes or Jesus' eyes to us, what matters is our story, our journey. He looks at us and he says, you matter. I mean, I don't want to see you sin. I don't want to see you stumble. But what matters to me is that you still keep on existing and you get up and keep going. Yeah, I think there is something to that, though, where people recognize, like, the reason why we we want not necessarily the true story, but the other story that the whatever the company wants to buy, whatever. Uh, yeah. The reason why they want to buy that story is because that's what's going to sell, and the reason that's going to sell is because we don't want to look up to those people. You know, like we don't. There's something about seeing that that conversion. Right where someone falls, but then they come back again. He started talking about that, I think, in the beginning. You become famous, you start doing drugs, you lose everything, you stop doing drugs, and you start becoming famous again. There's something right. about that that conversion of, okay, you fell and you came back. But when we fall and we just stay there, that's not a story that our hearts long for because we're already there, I think. We long for a story of someone who made it. I mean, it's like the saints, Right. Right. Why do we love the saints? Because they fell, they got up, and they made it. We we reach out to them because we're still falling. Right. That's uh, what makes a testimony so powerful. Right. Yeah. And so I think there's something to it to say that uh, the company wants, doesn't want to buy his story because he's stuck right where we are, where we can relate to him. But there's something important that a story needs to have some, something to look forward to, I think. And so I, I think there's some value in that, too, and seeing that the reason why we enjoy those stories is because there's hope. Yeah, that's good. So this is when something crazy happens. Ben, knowing that there's four, well, really only three, but four, ideally, and maybe even more, who knows, documentary crews out there, he wants his to be the most interesting. It has to be the most interesting. And so he's like, if I can get Jonathan on camera hitting up drugs... You know, that would I'd be the only one. No one else, including myself, hasn't been able to do that yet because of legal reasons. And Jonathan, in passing, when he's talking about, it, he's like, no, and he's like, and, and jokingly, just in conversation, says like, hey, if you do it with me, I'll I'll allow you to film it. Hmm. And Ben strongly starts to consider doing meth, so that his documentary could be different. Wow. And he does it. And he does it, but then learns through lawyers after doing it that he can't show himself on camera doing it for legal reasons. And so, you know, it's the same thing in our lives. We do stuff in order to look cool or to be different or to stand out. And in the end, it's like, was that stupid thing I did worth it? The thing that kind of took a piece of me that I can't get back. 
Mm. And that's what he did. And then he wakes up the next day and like his own crew is talking to him like, do you, are you ashamed of what you did? What like all these things. And he just says, I have no idea what I'm doing. I have no idea what I'm doing with this. And so we kind of fast forwards and that's when they learn quickly that his, his company called the producers that made man on the wire and searching for sugar man and find out that the second crew actually isn't being produced by that company. Like they have nothing to do with this documentary. And they're, what? Like, what the, and they're like, what the heck is going on? And that's when this documentary turns again to just like, what is true? There's another video of him on the phone with his friend who's been helping him out through this whole thing. And he's like, sounds like since you've been shooting him, I think nothing you see is real. I'll have to remind you that you set out to create a documentary on a man who was terminally ill and given one year to live, and it's now four years past that date. And so how do you even know if that's the case? I think it's a good time to remind yourself that this man's occupation is a magician. Can you trust anything a magician does? Do you think he could be fabricating his diagnosis? And that was in the trailer that got us kind of like, whoa, what is this story? Yeah. And so the rest, the rest of the documentary really uh, up until the end is just kind of like driving the question of what is true? What is this story? What are we doing? And finally, Ben decides, you know, like the only way I'm going to get answers is if I talk to Jonathan rather than his friends or other people who want to be involved in like really just want to be on this camera and they're going to tell me anything. I need to talk to the source and it made me think of, you know, the scripture, like if you have an issue, go to your brother first. And then if you can't figure it out there, you know, then bring it to the church or so on. Mm-hmm. So he does. He, he finally gets a hold of it and they sit down and Jonathan just assures Ben that he's been nothing but honest with him. And Ben's just like, but, you know, it's been four years since you were diagnosed or really five years. And what do you think people are going to think that you're still alive? And he's like, I don't care what they think. If they're leery that I'm living or whatever, I'm still living wouldn't you rather have that than anything else? And he starts to kind of kind of tell him his theories and different things. And Jonathan just gets angry for being accused of pranking people for publicity by faking his own death. And he just walks away from the interview. Mm. And so he goes back home as always, whenever he's at a loss and he shows the whole documentary he's edited and made so far up and besides the ending to his parents. And they're just like, whoa, you know, and his dad's like, it explains why you love making films about death. And Ben's like, yeah, but I just feel bad. And his dad's like, you don't know if Jonathan's on board anymore. I understand. And so you don't want to exploit him. But at the same time, you have a movie you want to make. Ben's like, yeah, I was just going to say that I'm concerned that I'm using him for his death to tell us death story. But he's not happy with me right now. And the dad's like... The question is, what ending would satisfy him? I think that's a big question. Yeah, that's another uh, challenge I had. So this is when we get to the ending, and it's great. So he pretty much goes to find Jonathan, who's at like an old folks' home with his mom, and everyone's having a birthday party for his mom, and he pulls him aside, and he's like, I owe you some apologies. First of all, throughout this whole documentary about your story, I leaned a little too heavily on the death angle and I needed then I needed to and I'm sorry about that because I think it's history or baggage of my own and that's not fair to you I'm sorry to question the validity of your illness and Jonathan chimes in he's like well I question the validity myself I mean I'm still here 
and nobody else feels that more than I do, I'm confused as to why I'm still here as well. I understand that this is the perfect wrap-up to your documentary, If I Die, and now you're struggling to figure out how to end it. Well, anyways, how are you going to end it? And that's when Ben tells Jonathan that he flew out to London and met with Simon Chen, who's the producer of Man on the Wire and Searching for Sugar Man. Mm -hmm. He pitched the idea of this documentary to him and asked if he would come on board to produce it. And Simon said yes. (laughs) And so now Jonathan, who's told his family, he's told many people in articles, who's told on the radio stage, who's just bragged that he's had Academy Award winning producers making documentary about him. Well, now he's telling the truth about that. And now he's always been right. And Mm. that's where it ends. Wow. Okay. So that quote, the question is what ending would satisfy him. What would satisfy him would be to finally be telling the truth and to like actually, in, in a way, seriously. It's, it's like a magician pulling off a trick, but it's he's not. Right. Ben is just bringing what was essentially a lie into being true. Yeah, but it wasn't a lie because when he does confront him about it, he's like, "I'm just telling you what they told me." And so, like, oh, we really okay. do find out that, like, we don't really ever find out. If Jonathan was just saying things or if he is just like prideful and wanting like multiple movies or if he's just like lost in this constant idea that he could die and he's just reaching for things. Mm -hmm. But I think there's something powerful with this idea that even if we don't know if someone's lying or telling the truth, it's not up to us to come up with the answer. That's why I think he did what he did in the end where he wrapped it up to where at least that part was true. And in the beginning, he's like, I'm just telling a story based on the available facts I had on hand. But I'm not saying any of this is true or false. Even though in the middle, I did. Hmm. Wow. I mean, I don't have anything else to add to that. I think you, from what you said, you had two really awesome challenges. So you want to jump right into those? Yeah, I would definitely. I think one was with the question that his dad asked, like, of like, what is the story? Like, does they have? Do they have a story? Do you have a story? Like, what even is that? And to his friend, who's like, if you're going to tell this, like, you can't just look at a story without accepting everything around that story, including you, who, even though you're telling a story, you're a part of that. Like, mm-hmm. usually in a documentary, we don't see the person filming it, but halfway through the thing, all of a sudden, we're he's documenting himself. And so, what is your story that you're telling to? god to yourself to others your family like what is your story you know we talk about our adventure we talk about our journey so i would challenge you this week to either write down to pray with to sit with the idea of just like what is your story and what is the story you want to be telling versus what is the story that you might be telling i think that's a really good point at the end too because we have these perceived stories that that we're putting off and like what people see and then there's the real story that, that we're living and so i think it is important to be able to examine the two of them and to see, are they that similar? And if not, why are we telling a story other than what God has written for us and that we, we are writing with him? Right. So I think it's important that we, we examine that difference. No, that's good. Lastly, it was just the other of like, what ending to your story will satisfy you? And I think that's important because if the ending you want is to go to heaven or to be with God or to, to be recognized as someone who was pious or holy. Are you already telling that story or does the ending you want change the story you should be telling or living? I think those are some pretty solid challenges. Shout out. Shout outs.
don't uh, think I have any shout-outs this week. Yeah, I didn't have anyone reach out to me specifically for the podcast this week, but I did get a pretty cool thing in the mail from someone who I know listens and a good friend of ours who has been on the show, actually. So, Danny Seckfort. Nice. Yeah, she sent me it was like a kind of a letter this this week, and I was super excited to get it because I didn't know it was coming. But she sent me this like picture to color. It's like all blank, like black and white, and basically just said like, "This is an opportunity for you to be creative, like knock it out of the park." And then it had a C.S. Lewis quote on it, and I was like, "This is awesome" because I love C.S. Lewis, and I have not been using my creative juices recently. So shout out to Danny for allowing me to do that. That's it's awesome. I did have a, sh- a shout out. I wanted, I thought about this, I think editing last week. I'd like to, I just wanted to shout out all of our patrons currently. Seriously. Yeah. Just because we've been saying at the end, like if you'd like to support us right now and be a patron, like just don't, there's, there's greater needs out there right now. Um, please put it there. But even in the midst of all this, they haven't been unable to support us or decided to support, like take away that support, support elsewhere. And that's just, been really special i think in this so that's all i have unless you have any other thoughts to wrap it up no that's really it awesome yeah i had no idea where that was going but that's actually there's a lot of stuff in there that's really making me think so that's that's cool so with that guys thank you so much for joining us again on the adventure it's been awesome to look at kind of our behind the scenes stats in the last week or two and see that Things are going up, which is telling me that you guys are going back to work and getting out again, which is super cool because most of our listeners typically listen when they're driving to work or going for runs and stuff like that. So it's super cool to see that you guys are listening again and even cooler that we can assume that you guys are out and about and getting back to somewhat normalcy in your lives. So glad to see that. We'd love to hear from you guys. If you want to reach out to us, you can do so on social media on Twitter at on the adventure two is our handle and you can find us on Facebook, the Christ and culture and YouTube, the Christ and culture, or you can reach out to us on our website, which is the Christ Like Gordon was saying, we, if you want to support us right now on Patreon or financially, not any other way, we're asking that you don't do that right now. And instead you go and sponsor someone who might've lost their job or who is struggling financially in that way during this pandemic. So with that, guys, we are praying for you. We appreciate you so much. And this really is an awesome opportunity for us to tell our story and to share what Christ is doing in our own lives and in the stories that we take in. So hopefully you guys are living that adventure in your own lives and we will see you next week. Adios.